0: Vision Day can help your church if you are stalled out and just don't know what to do or you're on a negative decline. What got you to where you are probably won't get you to where you need to go. It's as old as the Bible itself. When Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up on the mountaintop, Peter's response was, let's just camp here. And so a lot of churches have done that. They've just kind of camped at what God did. When your church gets to the place where it's talking more about what God did instead of what God's doing, there's a need for a shift. You're listening to the 95 Podcast from the team at 95 Network, where we host conversations specifically designed to support leaders in small and mid sized churches. Well, hey, everybody, welcome to the 95 Podcast. It's Dale Sellers, uh, Executive Director at 95 Network. And in case you are new to us, I just want you to understand what the name 95 stands for. Um, the research for many years has, has shown us that the majority, 95% or so, of all churches in America are small and mid-sized churches, and so that's who we focus on trying to help. Um, I feel like, personally, that the small and mid-sized church has been under-resourced for many, many decades as far as uh, just helping to train and and serve and come along beside. And, and so that's why we do what we do at 95 Network. One of the things that we also do is we work with individual churches doing a thing called Vision Day, where we work with a church. And today, I actually have a pastor uh, on the podcast from the northeast, uh, a good friend, and he his church went through a vision day, and we'll talk about that somewhat toward the end of the podcast today. But for, first of all, I just want everybody to meet my friend Frank Termine. Frank, how are you doing today?
1: Good, man. Good to be here, and uh, good to be talking with you again. Tell me where you're located. Uh, We're in uh, West Hartford, at the confluence of uh, three neighborhoods. Uh, the north end of Hartford, the west end of Hartford, and West Hartford. Have you always
0: lived in the Northeast?
1: I have always lived in the Northeast. Grew up in Rochester, New York. Went to school in Northern New York at Clarkson University. Moved to Philadelphia for twenty-three years. Moved to uh, Fishkill, New York, for four Fish years, kill. and then. Uh, Sounds
0: like I'd like to live there. <laughs> <laughs> So and take a few moments, Frank, and just kind of walk us through your life, your story. Uh, I want to use that as the backstory before we move into you know, where you're pastoring and all that stuff right now. Kind of give us the Frank Termine story.
1: Okay, I'll give you the short one. Um, <laughs> uh, as I said, born and raised in Rochester, New York, uh, was in an Italian Catholic family and in a neighborhood that was all Italians. Uh, went to Clarkson University, got a chemical engineering degree. Um, got a job in Philadelphia, PA, and yes, I am still a loyal Eagles fan, as you might be able to see. Well, you guys are doing good this year. Congratulations. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) for sure. And, uh, we got married at 23. Uh, I got three kids in Philadelphia. That's where our kids consider home. I was saved at age 42 at a Calvary chapel, and, um, Uh, In the bottom, uh, in the basement of a synagogue, that Calvary Chapel. (laughs)
0: Okay. Before you cover anything else, you got to tell us how that happened. You got saved at a Cal. You're an Italian Catholic who gets saved at a Calvary Chapel in the basement of a synagogue. How did that happen?
1: (laughs) Calvary Chapel, uh, Rochester, uh, was uh, renting. The facility uh, for Sunday services, and my brother-in-law and sister-in-law were going to that church, and we were happened to be in town, um, and we would go to their church when we were in Rochester, New York, which is our hometown. Mm-hmm. So that's how. So what what was
0: what was it about the service or whatever that that impacted you enough to make a commitment in that service?
1: Uh, you know, my whole life, Dale, I was not saved at the time. My whole life was my career. You mm-hmm. know, to be honest and reflecting on it and uh, getting up the food chain. And I was a vice president in a Fortune 500 company at the time. And I had just got um, pushed to the side. Um, There was a promotion that should have been mine, that wasn't mine. I wasn't Mm -hmm. chosen. I was devastated. I was in the down. And I was, you know, I was, I didn't know I was beside myself. And if you would ask asked me, I would have said, you know, my priorities in life are God, family, and career, but it was not really true. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the other way around. And uh, we go there, and the pastor's preaching about uh, Meshach, Shadrach, and Bendigo. And uh, he says, and you might be in the fire today. And my sister-in-law looks down at <laughs> you <know, it's> me. <laughs> it was like... This whole thing was a setup, you know. Mm-hmm. You you've been you've been to those services. Oh, know right? exactly where, what
0: it's like. Know exactly where yeah. where they
1: call ahead and tell the pastor, okay, you got to say this, that, the other thing, and and uh, he had me, he had me, and uh, you know, preached the gospel, and I said, man, that that is exactly what I need, and I got saved on September second, nineteen ninety six, down there, and uh, you know, that started a great journey for me. Oh, that is such a
0: great story. I could I couldn't just I couldn't just skirt over that one. It's like okay, because uh, that's that's good. So you, so you get saved. What, what happens after that?
1: Well, it's kind of interesting. Um, uh, I I go back to work and I get a great position uh, back at work, but we get got bought by a bigger company, and they don't need two vice presidents of marketing. So I I know I'm toast. But at the time, they did let me go. And I got three years worth of severance. That's and nice. And I felt like God. Yep. <laughs> and I felt like God was calling me into something different. Um, I I started working for a friend in a small company, and it it was a long shot, but it didn't pan out, and I knew it. And you know, God started saying, "You need to do, be doing this full time," uh, because I started teaching in a small group. And I did. And, you know, as I started looking around and talking to people, they said, well, if you're going to be a pastor, you, you're going to need a, to get an MDiv, not just a, an MS, which happens to be a three-year a three year degree. And the Lord provided three years oh, of pay so, cool. so that I could leave with uh, three kids heading to college. And I was able to do that. So it was neat. I went to Biblical Theological Seminary in Philadelphia. Um uh, then spent four years as a past associate pastor at Fishkill Baptist Church, which is a far bedroom community. Far bedroom community uh, in, it, in all all the people who work in New York City. It's up the Hudson River. Uh-huh. And then I uh, got called here 15 years ago to Calvary Church in West Hartford. And uh, I'm 68 years old now, and in the middle of a pastoral transition where. Um, the young man uh, that I'm training will become lead pastor, and I'll become associate pastor for some period of time. I can't wait and to, be to talk
0: about that in a few minutes because that that is one of my big uh, question marks is why we don't do, we being the church in America, don't do a better job with pastoral transition. So I'll, I'll definitely want to circle back around to that in a few minutes. Tell me what it's like doing ministry in the Northeast. Um, you know, this podcast goes all over the country. I'm in South Carolina. I've always been here, but I've, I've done many things. I've been up to your place and many other places in the Northeast, and it just seems to be a very uh, difficult place to do ministry. What's it like for you? Uh,
1: it is what it is. Um, you know, I I'm, I've, I watched the movie. I used to complain like everybody else up here about how hard the ground was, and then I the movie Paul came out. I don't mm-hmm. know if you remember that movie about Paul. Uh, the life of Paul, and uh, it was it was him in Rome, and they were lighting up and lighting up uh, Christians and candles, and I I committed to myself I'm not going to complain anymore. <laughs> well, you I have the, no I have no reason to complain.
0: That's the first pastor that I've talked to in the Northeast who has that perspective from that reason, but it's a good one. <laughs> okay, so you've been how long? You've been at that particular church? It'd be
1: 15, it's It's uh, just I just had my 15 year anniversary.
0: Is this been the only church you've been the lead pastor at?
1: It is. Yep. Yeah, yep. Cool.
0: And so, I, I, what, what was it like when you got there? Um, did you walk into a good situation, a tough situation? What's it been like being the pastor over the fifteen years?
1: Well, uh, you know this. This is what happened. I came here. Well, the church had a split in twenty and twenty oh five. At one time in its heyday, they used to get. Um, they were located in Hartford, mm-hmm. and they used to get two hundred and fifty kids. Uh, out of, um, to come to their Sunday uh, uh, Sunday school, they had the bu- old bus ministry, uh-huh. and it was the the largest church in the area, 450 people, which is large for around for yeah. around here then. And uh, you know they 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 weren't very outward focused, and you know it just went downhill after many years. They actually went through a church split in 2005. After you know they where they had moved to West Hartford. And they had an interim pastor. And in that period of time, they joined Converge, which is the old Baptist General Conference. Uh, I came at the end of 2007, and they were ready to go. They they had been kind of, you know, sitting, sitting, you know, kind of licking their wounds. And they were ready to go. And they had, we were getting 48 uh, people a week. It was the average in 2007. Mm -hmm. you've been to our church, you can see 350 people yeah, and, yeah. you know, preaching, preaching to 20 or 30 people in that size church. And of course they all sat all over the church. Yeah. Um, you know, cause that, those were their seats. It was, it was, it was tough duty in the beginning and the church was older, very few kids, predominantly white. And we, we are at the confluence of very diverse neighborhoods. The North end of Hartford is a predominantly black, um, and very poor area um, one of the poorest areas in the richest state in the country um, we are in west hartford just on the edge we're, we're right on the border and middle class and upper class a lot of old money a lot of old houses and then the other street going the other way uh, the governor's mansion is at and it's an eclectic neighborhood all kinds of different things so i just prayed you know lord I pray that, you know, we have a church that anyone from any of these neighborhoods would, would come and feel comfortable. <laughs> and it was so funny. One of the first Sundays I was preaching here, I looked out from my office. And we used to have uh, a, a carload of older women that used to come. And they were, you know, 70s and 80 years old. And there were four four of them and three of them had walkers. And they used to get here real early every Sunday morning <laughs> stand right at where the door at the entrance in the lobby was, and their walkers were lined up. <laughs> and we used to have uh, a woman here used to play the organ, and she'd be playing the organ, and we'd, they'd have the, all these, uh, we'd have those old women, you know, sitting up front, the sweetest little old ladies you ever met in your life, great people. And I just looked up to God and I go, oh, we're going to get young. This is going to be a work of the <laughs> Holy Spirit. I was, You know, I'm 50, I was 53 at the time. So yeah, I didn't and know, it's your
0: first church.
1: <laughs> yes, first first chime leading, but you know yeah. what? Uh, God did a wonderful work. I remember the first Easter, we had uh, a couple come and visit. They brought a baby, and we had a we had the women we had a nursery sign up that people were scheduled to go. We had no kids in the nursery, uh-huh. but on Easter Sunday, a, a family showed up. They're all running around. We got a baby, a baby, a baby, <laughs> and uh, the baby. It's like you almost I, attack just, them. <laughs> uh, and they just loved on the baby, and and the family started coming, and they, That's so they kept cool. Hey, let Which me ask you this question: of,
0: do, do you know or what was the what was the split about? Do you do you know the details of why the, the church split?
1: Yeah, uh, it was. It's a um, I don't want to name the the seminary, but uh, this seminary has a uh, 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 not a good reputation for pa- making pastors that can blow up churches. Okay. And uh, uh, this guy was very hardcore complementarian, very hardcore uh, elder rule. And that's just, I mean, it was just, it it just rankled everybody. And um, just, you know, he had his, he built this team and the people were here and serving and for years. And, uh, you know, he just didn't treat them well. So,
0: was it and was uh, that when the church was at its height, or was it, was it at its height before he came?
1: No, he he grew the church from about 220 down to 140. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, the church split, and it was he took 70 with him down to the uh down the corner, and uh, 70 stayed here. By the time I got here, uh, it was down to 48 people a week. What was
0: it like for you being a pastor? If you're first church, your pastor. Now you've been on staff at another church, so you you knew church politics. But what was it like coming into a situation where you really you got to heal people before you can go forward? How was that for you?
1: Well, you know, I, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm not a mercy guy. That's my wife is you know she's got enough mercy for the both of us. That's just you know not my my gift. And but God had brought a mercy guy to be the interim pastor. Okay. And he helped them uh, get through that. And by the time I got here, I'm a get up and go kind of guy. And they were ready. They were okay. ready to get up and go. Okay. I mean, the first year was still hearing a lot of stories and, you know, me trying to be as merciful as possible and say, you know, okay, well, that's past. Uh, God's going to do a new work and we got to pre- be prepared for God's new work. And, and the people really responded well. And they did. And they were very faithful. Um you know, and it's, it was hurtful. But, you know, yeah. after about a year, you know, as new people started coming, you know, uh, the, the old faded away and the new came.
0: Okay. And what year was that uh, as far as that transition begins to happen for you?
1: I came at the end of 2007. Okay. And so then you pastor
0: for many years. How, what was that process like for you?
1: Well, um, slowly but surely, we grew the church uh, every year. Not Nothing big. Mm -hmm. Uh, nothing, nothing to, you know, that's going to make the journals, but every year we added a few people for the first eight years and we grew to about 150 people in the first seven, eight years. That's good. Grew to 150. Yeah. And by, and the church really started to look differently. Um, since that time, we've been 35 to 45% people of color. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the biggest majority would be, um, uh, black people and that's Africans islands, African-Americans, mm-hmm. uh, a third of, and now a third of our congregation is 18 or younger.
0: Ooh, that's, uh, that's so good. How'd that happen?
1: <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm going to, I'll give Jesus Christ and the Holy spirit, all the credit there. We just had an Awana program and the church's DNA was always, always kids. Mm-hmm. But it was always, you know, very family oriented on a kid. It was just in our DNA. Mm-hmm. And so with just the right, you know, as we made changes, families started coming and, and, you know, I, I give it to the Lord and, and in our, in our kids, we have no majority race. The largest race being, uh, uh, would be black, would be the black race would be the, the largest, uh, contingent that we have. And so, um, you know, God just did it. It just we just tried to love everybody who came through the door, and uh, we treated everybody as you know as, with love, the love of Christ. So, so and, you're
0: reaching these kids. Are, are there families coming too, or is it just? Oh are yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh right. yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay, cool. Oh, definitely, definitely. Okay. So uh, fast forward somewhat. At some point, uh, you and I begin to connect uh, because you had heard about Vision Day. Uh, what kind of led to that?
1: Well. I would start out by saying that um, if anybody's considering Vision Day, they have to see it, in my opinion, not as an event, but Mm -hmm. as a point on a continuum. I like that. And let me tell you, because that's part of our story. By the first quarter of 16, we had ballooned up to 165 people. and We were talking about adding a second pastor, which really didn't happen. Mm -hmm. But what happened, that was at our high point. What happened is that same slow growth that we saw over the years, we started seeing a slow, steady decline. Um, and it'd be, it, I think the number, uh, one of our guys said it was three people per quarter, which, you know, and nobody was leaving because of anything. And it wasn't really a people leaving problem. It was that we stopped adding enough new people to, um, to cover the the turnover, which is, you know, just normal in a church. And, sure. um, and so it's, we we're getting now the the second half of 2019, and I start asking myself: I'm 65, going on 66, and you have that that uh, you know, that that crisis you have at that age.
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah.
1: Uh, and 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 you know, I'm starting to think: Is it time for me to hang up my spikes? Am, am mm-hmm. I the issue here? Do I have to get out of the way? Because I had been in a church where the, the pastor overstayed his welcome, and you know, you know. Pastors staying too long can run the church into the ground. And I just committed I was not going to be that guy. So I started thinking. So I said, I got it. So I'm this is the type of guy, you know, the old engineer kind of guy. Mm -hmm. I wrote it. I wrote up what I thought was where we were. And I said I was going to show it to people that I cared about that would tell me what I needed to hear. Uh, and I started with my wife and she going, all you're doing is looking at the negative. What about all the positive? You're not looking at that. So I said, okay. I, 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 so I put that in there. Miss Mercy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm sure I'm the only pastor that's ever done that before. Yeah, I don't believe that's true. No. <laughs> so I went out to three people that I thought, you know, two friends and uh, the Converge Northeast uh, director, you know, the, you know, Tim Ponzani, who you yeah, know. Tim Azana, huh? Yeah. I remember saying to Tim, Tim, if you tell me I need to go, I'm going to go because I, I, you know, him and I have a good relationship. And um, he said to me, no, no, I'll, what's going on is going on all throughout the Northeast. That's not you. You're not ready. It's not you. And so did the other people. They said, no, no. So I said, OK, but we were really busy at the time. It was still a time of confusion for me. And so um uh, I had just canceled on Tim to go to the annual meeting, which was a big deal. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I called him up and told him, you know, I'm sorry. You know, here's the situation. He said, you know, you know, I understand. Just don't go. So I had signed up for your 90. You had a a presentation that was coming down at the Connecticut shore, Mm -hmm. which I had already signed up for. And to be honest with you, if I could have gotten out of it, I would have gotten out of it. (laughs) I'll be honest with you. But, but I just canceled that. If
0: there's anything that describes you, Frank, it's being honest. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I love. <laughs> yeah, I did. So, we did it. A, uh, we were in. We were in uh, near. I can't, we We're on the coast, weren't we? Uh, in yeah, in you're on the coast.
1: You're on the coast. Yeah. So to come for your, you know, your your few hours in lunch, it mm-hmm. was going to be. A, it was going to be a day that yeah. I didn't have. But yeah. you know, I had to go, so I went there. But during the the time, and I didn't want to be there, and I was sort of half listening. But then you started talking about Vision Day, and I said, "Hmm, that might be something we we could really use." I I got all the information, you know, and you know, I was really perked up about that. But I stuffed it away. I had it, you know, in in my folder, and I came back, and now I'm. It's time to meet with the elders, Mm -hmm. and I have the write up, and I'm not going to tell them what the other people said. And I go to them, and I said, "Hey, look, again." If you want me to go, I'll go. Here's the write up. And they looked at me like I had, you know, three eyes and said, what are you talking about? And they said, no, we don't want you to go. Yes, we do agree. We have a problem that, you know, you know, the attendance problem, because, you know, you, that's unsustainable. And also male leadership problem is unsustainable. We got to do something different, but it's not you. They said, okay. And I said, well, here's this thing I got in my drawer here. <laughs> About a vision day. This might be, and they looked at it and they said, man, that's perfect. I think that's what we need. We need some good, we need an outside thing. So said, you had okay. vision day in the drawer. <laughs> I had it in the drawer. You know, I, I kept it. I kept it. You I'm know, glad I, you kept it. I kept it. And I presented it to them and they said, perfect. That's what we need. Now, we had the authority and the money to go ahead and do it, but we mm-hmm. made a great decision. Not because we're smart. The Lord led us into this. Uh-huh. And we said we were going to go to the people and we're going to do the same thing. We're going to lay out the whole regime to them Mm -hmm. and we're going to ask them to vote on whether we do Vision Day or not. And we got the
0: church to vote on it.
1: We got the church to vote on it.
0: Oh, wow. Um,
1: Because we said, if we're going to do this, we want buy in from everybody right up front. Yeah, we want buy in right up. So hey, let's, let's have- do
0: this because I've got a question I want to ask you to keep going in, in that direction. But let's take a short break uh, and then we'll be right back because I've got a good question for you. So we'll be right back. In John 17, we find Jesus praying for unity before he is arrested and ultimately crucified. Here at the 95 Network, we believe that Jesus found unity to be that important. So should we. High King Poer's unity and diversity director and he would love to equip and help your church become more unified with all people to get in touch with hiking you can email him at hiking at 95network.org or go to our website at 95network.org back here with Frank Termine uh, of Calvary Church uh, in Connecticut and man we were having a great time talking through uh, the process they went through to get vision day and and and, and as I dis- as I discovered <laughs> Frank had vision day over in the drawer Got the church to vote on it. But Frank, one of the one of the things about our relationship, you probably I think uh, I've done 60 vision dates. And I think you you were the most thorough vetting uh pastor I've ever worked with. I mean, you vetted me, I got you referrals, the whole deal. Now you tell me the church voted on it. It was a miracle we got there. <laughs> So, well, so,
1: you know what? It wasn't a miracle, but it was supernatural.
0: It was. So pick up. Uh, so you go to the church and you talk about it. Uh, keep on going from that point.
1: So I, I I laid it all out there. I said, this is what I'm going through. I, I, I talked to people. I talked to the elders. And now I'm talking to you. And I, I said, said. Um, you know, I, I laid it all out there because one of the things that I, that I was taught that a leader defines reality for. For the people underneath them, and so I defined. Real, this is where we are, people. Mm-hmm. I, I was openly and honest. Now, we have a good relationship. The church we have, you know, we're one of those churches that are blessed that we don't have any division, mm-hmm. um, and so we have good relationships. So I was able to be honest without without fear. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we laid out. Here's what we we want to do is Vision Day. We had one of the elders present the whole thing, not me. And we voted on it and it was unanimous. Let's go ahead and do it. That's so cool. Yeah. So <laughs> again, this is why I say it's a continuum. You could see yeah. the hand of God, you know, moving all the way along this, this whole thing here. Yeah. Um, so um, they did that. And what we did next in January every year, we have a, a concerted time of prayer. And this year we prayed about Vision Day. Weekly we had meetings to pray about Vision Day. I remember. And we said, We don't want a new plan. We want God's. We want this is Jesus's church. We want his plan. Mm -hmm. So we prayed that God through the Holy Spirit would show us um, a plan uh, that he wanted.
0: And uh, I just remember you're 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 again another one of the things that that make me think of you. Why I love you so much. Uh, We you contacted me a couple of times to let me know that y'all were praying yeah. Uh, about what to pray about you were praying. And it was just so inspiring to me because, you know, we live in this era. Um, you know, I always say that we live in the residue of the seeker and attractional movement. And so everybody's always looking for a quick fix. Everybody's looking for, you know, they, they, some people will book vision day to get us to come in so we can give them some silver bullet to solve their problems. And it doesn't exist, but, but you guys laid so much good groundwork in prayer before I ever got there. And yeah, we had some situations and things we had to work through and address, but it, it was able to do it because y'all bathed it in prayer before we got there. And I just, I, I never, uh, I was, I, I just was so touched by that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And we, we did, we did vet. You know, I, I wanted to make sure that, you know, we're going to spend a whole bunch of time and money and not a whole bunch of money, but a whole bunch of time. And we wanted to make sure we were going to get something. Something it was going to make a difference. Yes. We, we wanted we wanted to make sure there was going to be fruit that came from it. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, we you gave us some people to call, and from our size church, which I think is really important because most of the things you can you can get like this are really for larger churches. They don't yeah. work for smaller. They're
0: churches. out of reach. Just financially, they're out of reach for most churches.
1: Well, yeah, so, so.
0: How many people were part of the church? at this time as far as what was your kind of average attendance at this time that you're doing this?
1: You know, what's kind of neat. I'm glad you asked that because I had forgotten about that is that quarter, which would have been the first quarter of 2020 was the first time since 2016 that we had grown. We hadn't (laughs) even done anything yet except prayed and told people what the issue was. Mm -hmm. And we grew like about 14%. So we were that, that quarter till until march 20th i think and if you remember that was an important
0: yeah we'll, we'll get we'll get on that in a minute
1: <laughs> yeah uh, and we had 132 people That's so awesome. we had grown you know we had grown over 10 percent at that point Yeah, I
0: see because so the thing about vision that vision day can help your church if you are stalled out and just don't know what to do or you're on a negative decline but it's also really wise like the this particular week we're recording this podcast I'm, i'll be flying to missouri tomorrow I'm working with the church in Missouri and this church is actually doing really, really well, but they, mm-hmm. they want to do a reset. They want to make sure, okay, we've, uh, yeah. and, and this is very important for people to understand what got you to where you are probably won't get you to where you need to go. And, mm-hmm. and churches are notorious for, and, and you know what? It goes back. It's as old as the Bible itself. When Jesus takes Peter, James and John up on the mountaintop and, you know, and there's Moses and Elijah, and then God speaks and, and Peter's response was, let's just camp here. And so a lot of churches have done that. They've just kind of camped at what God did uh, in the past. And so when your church gets to the place where it's talking more about what God did instead of what God's doing, there's a need for a shift. And so this church I'm going to work with uh, this week, they actually are they've been doing great, but they know we, we we need to plan ahead. And so there's there's all kind of scenarios where having a, uh, a day like we had with Vision Day is helpful.
1: Oh, yeah, no question. And so we we went about a team selection which you and I have talked about a lot. Yeah. And we because of the kind of church we are, we had four criteria for the people on the team. We wanted to have all our ministries represented. We wanted to make sure that somebody was passionate about every ministry. We wanted to make sure that the uh, team we put together uh, was represent looked like our congregation. You know, very we wanted smart. it to be diverse. very smart. Mm-hmm. Uh, we wanted it to look like our congregation. We wanted to make sure that we picked only, we wanted to pick informal and formal leaders, because the reason for that is we wanted to uh, make sure that there was somebody there that if their heads were going up and down, the people that follow them heads would be going up and down too. That's good. And And we wanted people who could be, I use Tony Evans uh, word: evangelically brutally honest. <laughs> you know, and because you know, you've got to you've you've got to set reality. And if something's not working, you gotta you gotta be able to say it to the rest of the group, and and the group has to be able to hear it. Yeah. And we wanted people to be able to think that thought strategically. So, uh, you know, we put a lot of time and effort and prayer into team selection, and you, you saw who we had. Mm-hmm. Um, And I think the thing that I loved about it, which was really important, and I I think this is good, is we had an outside person leading this, and the pastor and me were seated as part of the team. I was one of equals, and it wasn't going to be my plan. It was going to be our plan.
0: I want to interject there. That's one of the things that we do when we do a Vision Day, and I tell the pastor, and I told you this, I tell every pastor up front, I'm not there to add to your load. I'm not there so we can come together for a day, come up with a bunch of new things for the pastor to do. The, the objective of it, actually, for the pastor, as much as the pastor can lay back and listen to where the congregation's at and where the leaders are at, it's very helpful. But I'm there to lift your load. I'm there to help you uh, to to see um, where the team is. And I was really I was really pleased with the group we had together. It, it took a second or two to get them going, but boy, we did. <laughs> and people got real honest.
1: <laughs> yeah. And uh, Dale, I want to put a plug in for you here is you're, you have an evangelical bluntness. Um, <laughs> you're able that to is a compliment coming from you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, I, I said that to uh, Pastor Tom, which you, yeah. you came back mm-hmm. and I told him uh, Dale is going to say what needs to get said and he won't be afraid to say it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you, if, if you're, you're the type of person that can say in a nice way, okay, well, you just told me what you're doing isn't working. Why do you keep doing it? <laughs> uh, there, there, you know, I could say that and it's going to be hurtful, but because you're an outsider and we're all there, uh, people just will react differently. And I'm mm-hmm. sure you've had some probably people who didn't react so good to it. But I think for us, that was really important and really good. Well, I care about them,
0: and so honestly, I haven't had a lot of negative, at least to my face, uh, reactions to things because I, I you know, I, I didn't come there to beat you up. I came there to, to but, but sometimes some people will perceive honesty as beating them up, and, and I don't want that to happen. No, no, but, uh, no. yeah, it's it's uh,
1: it's a fine line. <laughs> yeah, and you have outside eyes with a lot of diverse experience in our size church. Uh, you know, like you said, your dark, your your lobby's dark and uninviting. And, and I knew that, and I've said that. But when you said it was, oh, I never saw that. No one ever said that before. Well,
0: that ha- and that happens a lot. We're all oh, coming yeah. to say exactly what the pastor's been saying, and they're, and they're like, "Wow, that's great." And he's like, "I've been
1: saying it for years." <laughs> it's like being a parent. Parents yes, that happens to parents a lot.
0: Yeah, yep. yeah, it happens. <laughs>
1: And, and you just lead us through a good old-fashioned Christianized SWOT analysis, mm-hmm. uh, which is which which was good. I think it was good. And one of the things I, I appreciate, and you you spent time on historical highlights. Yeah. And you probably hear this a lot, but most people don't have a full picture of our historical highlights. So when you get everybody in a room, you know, I'm sure you hear all the time, well, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what that happened at That's our church. That's why we did it.
0: That's why we did it.
1: And I know with Pastor Tom that was a big deal for. When what you, went you do when you go back, and
0: I, I don't go back. Some churches we don't found in the 1800s, so we don't go that far back. But we like to go back, you know, anywhere from 40 years somewhere in that area. Yeah. And what we're looking for are repeating patterns. And our friend Pastor Tom, that was one of the things that once we put it on paper, they're like, oh my goodness, we cycle back around to this same issue over and over and over. And so that's that's uh and, and so it's really amazing how we'll go over the history of the church and especially people who are newer who are on, involved in leadership didn't know things. But it's it's very uh it's very enlightening to 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 talk about some of those things because what you typically have are a lot of unresolved issues moving forward, you know.
1: But on the other hand, too, you have church DNA, mm-hmm. which has some negative things, but also there's some positive things Absolutely. That, Absolutely. That, that values that just get passed down from one generation to the next. And that's an important thing, too, to, yep. to realize. And, you know, children and family is is one of those things at our church, mm-hmm. as always. And also, you, you went through assessing the current, um, and, you know, you brought out a few things that... Uh, you know you were able to highlight them, we knew them, we talked about them but but you were able to bring them to the sur- right up to the surface and in bright lights. you know you said we were dated, we had a dated look to our building and in grounds and i you wrote down on your sheet here, I got it right here <laughs> old-fashioned and dated slash depressing <laughs> is what you wrote, and it was true Are you sure it I wrote was that? true. And we needed to hear that. Yeah, Uh, uh, We all agreed we needed to do a better job of reaching men. And you were the one, not us, you were the one that said, hey, hey, folks, you're just way behind on technology. And you were the one with the, you know, the children sign in. And when we told you about our Internet problem, you really hit on that. And it was like about. Three or four things on our to-do list that had to do with technology. And you were right yeah. on, spot on. And, and we would not, I don't think we would have got there from here if it wasn't for you. Well,
0: it was, uh, I want you to reach people. And I knew you wanted to reach people. But, but what happens so often, I, I go to a church and and, and there's no signage. Just to say there's no signage around. So you, you can't find, you know, here I am as a guest. A guest, I can't find a restaurant. And so I'll have to ask somebody and then, the, and sometimes I'll go places. They'll tell me how to find the restroom. and I can't find it because there's no signage and I'll bring that up. And no and the, and the comment is always this, well, everybody knows where the restroom is. I'm going. Mm, no, they don't. <laughs> but if your mindset is, well, you know, I've been going to that restroom for 30 years. That doesn't mean that new people know where it is. And so, no, no, so no. that's part of what happens as we come together like that. Yeah.
1: And the other thing was, it is, uh, you know, we came out with a, you know, the, uh, what we needed to focus on for some period of time was twenty to five, twenty to fifty-year-olds with children want or wanting children, um, and you were able to help us because people uh, need to understand that just because you're focusing on a particular group doesn't mean you're telling the other people we don't want you.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And,
1: and if you do things to try to get this one group, though, the, some of those things are going to get those other groups too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and And you know you have people like you explained, which was very helpful, that hey older people who want to see their grandkids come to the church and their kids come to the church they 'll want to get onto the mission too they'll they'll they 'll understand and so to to be able to to- help us process through that you you from the outside i mean I could have said all the same things, but you from the outside um you know, you were independent, so that, that was helpful.
0: Cool, I'm so glad.
1: Yeah, um, you know, and you you had that. Uh, you I, what was surprising is you 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 were really pushing us for a new mission statement. It was good because you worked us through, and we came up with a very simple mission. And if you walk into our nice bright lobby now, mm-hmm. um, you will see our mission. It says to know Jesus and respond. Something simple that everybody can understand, mm-hmm. and when we and I'll, when, I want to really get to the, you know how God was working, but uh, I'll get to this later. I'll come back to it, but I, I want to tell you a story.
0: While we're there, go ahead. Go ahead. and Do it now.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, it, it's a bigger story that I want to get to about the uh, about uh, how God was working because you came up with uh, we needed t- technology and internet refresh the look of the place in evangelism near and far. One of the things you came up with, reinvigorate missions uh, that we, we came up with. Mm-hmm. And so we left there with an action plan and owners, deliverables and dates. It wasn't just, okay, we got all this information. All right, I did my job. Give me my money and I'm going home. No, you 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 made a sit down and, okay, who's going to present this? When are you going to present this? How mm-hmm. are you going to do it? So we, we had an actual plan to do it. And the nice part about it, it wasn't me doing the presenting, which was yeah, I think your very team.
0: important. Yeah, and one yeah. of the things we do in the small church uh, typically is we uh, we make plans, but oftentimes we don't follow through, and then there's no accountability for not following through. And so what we do at the end of Vision Day, we literally put dates and times and when you're going to meet. And and honestly, the group itself holds each, holds each other accountable. And so I, I'm glad you pointed that out because it doesn't. You have the greatest plan in the world, but if nobody takes initiative to, to implement it, it's, it's worthless to you.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But I have to tell you three stories. All right. let, let it, on <laughs> Okay. You got this continuum and the hand of God working. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it just sends chills up your spine when you could see when you could see clearly this was a God thing. This is, this is all part of this plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the technology part of it, um, we had Vision Day in February 2020. <laughs> COVID hits in March. Uh-huh. And we had explained to you that we were we had an old broken DSL line. Mm-hmm. And we were like uh, uh we were like a spur and and uh the company didn't want to fix it. Yep, I remember that. And so it was real slow and it was gonna cost eight thousand dollars for us to go to the cable company because they had to dig a trench across the street to get to us. Mm-hmm. And so everybody was balking on that, but COVID hits. And now if you don't have good internet, you're done. Yep. And so that got to be real obvious, real, real quickly. And the people, (laughs) this is the hand of God. You know, you might, here's, here's a a positive thing about COVID Mm -hmm. is the people that were kind of dragging their feet. And that's probably a little strong. Um, all of a sudden, are saying, "Hey, we got to invest in our internet. We need bet. We need faster internet." <laughs> and and, and so you just say, "You know, that's a great idea." And so, <laughs> and so you you know, COVID actually got us the internet we needed. It got us, you know, the the building. You know, we we got state of the art internet. Uh, we got super fast internet and, all and just, our,
0: I, our, our listeners have no idea what a miracle that is compared to what you had because it was <laughs> dated.
1: Well, yeah, it was great. So that was good. Awesome. So you could see the hand of God coming from this. Mm-hmm. The second thing was, you know, we needed a refresh of our building. That came in in, yeah. in places. Yeah. April. So vision days in February, COVID March, April we get a check for almost a quarter of a million dollars from somebody who used to come to our church as a kid. It's maintain contact. The sister still goes here and she passed away and sent us like $238,000. Wow. wow! We, we had wow. no money to do anything. I remember. And earlier in 2019, uh, a man moved from Alaska who was now a COO, a very strong Christian who was president of a design and build company. So he, we have breakfast one day and he says to me, he goes, you know, if we just did this at your church, you know, our church would look so much better. And I go, yeah, but we don't have the money to do it. And he goes, well, when you're ready, let us go, because our, how about if we design a plan for you and we won't charge you and uh, we'll do the work, but you got to pay for that. And I said, well, great. Now we just need the money. And you know, God, God brought the money That's so and cool. they did forty or fifty thousand dollars of design work wow. and he walked everybody through everything because um you know he was able to say, you know, you know, people have questions. You know, the we had we had nice looking wood, but it was old and it was dark and you mm-hmm. saw. Yeah, I think you saw the old time. And he said, "No if you put a fresh coat of paint on here and do this and that and the other thing we'll, we'll, we'll be able to recover all of you know the the nice structure and the and cross will pop so he did a great job selling it and we we had the money and it looks completely different And I remember his, one, his woman who was not a Christian comes in her his design person said, you know when I come into a building I want to know what this building's about oh that's cool uh, and I walk into your lobby. And I, he's, she said, you know, what do you do here? What is it? You know, I, I understand, you know, it's a church. I could see the steeple and everything, but what are you about? You know, you need, really need something. To, to, and so she helps us. She's not even saved. She helps us. And now we've got a big old cross on a hill. With It's very simple. And it says mm-hmm. to know Jesus and respond. Mm-hmm. She goes, oh, okay. Now I know what you do here. Wow.
0: That's so cool,
1: yeah. That's and so, so God, cool, man, God brought again. I want. I, I think it's important for your listeners to see that this is a continuum. This is the hand of God moving, yes. yes, all through this. And the last thing, which I which didn't fit for me, but I said, no, I'll keep quiet. We needed to do a better job evangelizing and drawing people in. But one of the things on the you know on your target list there was to reinvigorate missions, which I didn't see how that would, I mean, I could, mm-hmm. you know, if you got a heart for the lost, you have a heart for the lost, whether they're near or fur but uh, again, in 20, in, in 2020, we had to cut the missions budget to 8% of giving. You know, that's yeah. not what we wanted to do uh, just because, you know, giving was so bad, but in 20, at the end of 2020 into 21, we had a lot of missions turnover. We, we, we lost the missionary to death. Uh, Some came out uh, others. We, we stopped. So now we had a bunch of money with some place to go Mm -hmm. with the 8% and and nobody liked the 8%. So we said, we're going to challenge ourselves and do the, and go back up to 10% uh, in 2021. And so, we said, well, let's not just run and go out and find a man. Let's let's pray on this and see what God does. So, Pastor Russell and I goes go to a Converge Northeast conference, and he sees a woman there. It, no, she sits right next to us at our table, and he says, "Oh, it's great to see you." And I mean, what are you doing now? And she says, "Oh, I work for Converge, and I help churches pick strategic partners uh, to go to unreached people groups."
0: Oh, that's so They're good.
1: And so you, know, uh, she says, "Oh yeah, I lead I lead the church through a process, and we get them to focus on a, a you know an unreached people group that converge Missionary is at, and they kind of focus on that. It becomes a whole focal point of the whole church. And you know we're in the car after I go, I go. That was not a chance occurrence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I feel like I'm going to be disobeying God if we don't invite Candace to come in and do it. He said, Yeah, me too. Yeah. So." That that started a whole process. Again, we had to get a team and everything, and we're going to Senegal. That's going to be one of our prod. We're sending three people to Senegal, which we have never, we've never had a, a missions team go out. That's just good, you know, to Africa, That's and uh, and we got the money to do it, and which which is kind of neat. Now you, you wonder how does this all fit in. One of the outreaches for Senegal is a university outreach, Mm. and we have some young people on this missions committee that's doing this thing, and they're looking at each other and going, wait a minute, we have the University of Hartford right over there, we got St. Joe's University right over there, we got UConn Law, you know, a little bit farther away, and we're going to go all the way to Senegal to do university, why aren't Mm -hmm. we doing it here?
0: There you go, there you go.
1: And so... There's something brewing about it. The, the, it. God isn't completely percolated that, but yep. people are just saying, uh, you know, it doesn't make sense. So, and that's a good dissonance. Absolutely. That's a really good dissonance. So, I guess that's our story of Vision Day. You know, those are the big things. There's other things, too. But oh, when we're still so working. I'm proud of you
0: guys. Y'all done so much. Before I run out of time on the podcast, so I do want to talk a few minutes about you said you're in the midst of a trend, a succession plan. Kind of what are you doing? Uh, how's it working? What's, do, you have, do you have target dates for when you're going to step away and the new guy take over? Or what's, what's your plan right there?
1: Well, again, I got to tell you, this is another God thing. Uh, I told you in 2016 we we're trying to get a, a second pastor, mm-hmm. and we 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 challenged people to give enough money so we could you know be able to uh, put a second pastor on, um, and we felt like about I think it was, we had a matching grant that would get us there. All we had to do was, and we had like commitments for for. Virtually all of it. We just needed, we set a goal and we were like $8,000 short. We uh-huh. fell short of our goal. And so we didn't do it. And so we asked ourselves, what happened? Did we not do a good job or was it not the right timing? And we were beating ourselves up and we said, well, let's just go on. And it was the wrong time and the wrong guy. Uh, so go. we have a guy that goes to our church, Pastor Russell now, who is uh, uh, heading an agency, a, a that the whole, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's called the urban Alliance. Um, and he binds together like 95 different churches and organizations doing temporal work. And so we're working as the church, Mm -hmm. um, earning the right to give. So anyway, he, he comes to me and, you know, we've been good friends. I mentored him for years. And he comes to me and he says, you know what? I've been going through a rough time, but God, I think is calling me to become a pastor. And I, he said, I, I, you know, seminary, you know, I don't know how I'm going to do it. And he says, I just have feel like I got this call yeah. to teach and everything. So I go, okay. So I knew God. God has always blessed us with money, and I knew at some point God was going to ask me to give back a little bit. So I started asking him, and I, I did some numbers on a piece of paper, and then I said, Russell, would you consider being a pastor here? He says, but I haven't got a degree. I said. What if I trained you? What if I you went through Frank oh, wow. Turmine University? Wow. And he said, I don't know about that. Do you think that would be good? And so, again, we go to Tim Ponzani. And I go, Tim, <laughs> I got, I got a, another proposition for you. Again, and I told him, if yeah. this is a dumb idea. Just tell me. Sure. Uh, and, and I'll forget about it. He says, I think that's a great idea. That's the way it should be done. It's the way it's always been done. He says, yeah, we're behind you. And in fact, he said, I think we'll support you with some money. Wow. He said, I think you should go out. You guys pay a third. We'll pay a third of, of Russell and have him raise support. And so we said, okay. So then we, we go back to the church. And I start with the elders and they say, yeah, this is a great wow. idea. And then we go to the old the ex elders, yeah this is a great idea and then we go to the ministry, yeah it's a great and then we go to the church you know they all know Russell yeah and they all love him he's been an elder. yeah, that's a great idea. let's do it and we cool. put together a financial plan and so I have to you know, I'm fine. I'm taking a pay cut uh during the this transition period so it's a two and a half year a year two and a half year training program that he's going through. Um, going through the entire Bible. You know, I'm basically taking all the stuff I learned at seminary and just giving him the stuff he needs. Sure. You, know, you learn it. a lot. Yep. Yeah, what he needs. And we we were going through it and he's working through it. And uh, we have this plan and we we got money from Converge Northeast. The the one thing, he had to go out and raise $60,000 of, of support uh, to be able to do it. And I said, "Well, as soon as you get that, we can start. And, you know, I said, we don't want to start because once you start, yeah. you know, fundraising is, is a hard, hard stuff. So he starts around April. And so July one is the target date. And I'm thinking, you know, that's going to be hard for him to raise that kind of money. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, it, by June, he had commitments for $150,000. Oh, goodness, And so, um, <laughs> Talk about the hand of God, yeah, making this stuff. Uh, and we had to cr- increase our budget. Yeah. And we told the people, "This is a this is a three year commitment." So we get through it. You're going to have to pay for two pastors. Yeah, yeah I'm going to take a pay cut, big pay cut. But yeah, it's still and and we increased the missions budget at the time. That's and so you know what? we this year we're we were in 13 over budget. That's so good. Giving giving over budget. That's so, so good. And, and it was, so that, and it was a stretch. So you you just feel like you know this is the hand of God movement. Yes. It's just like I don't want to screw this thing up.
0: <laughs> I'm with you. You know the thing I love about uh, about your church and you and what's happened is when I first met you, I don't know that we would describe you guys as a healthy church, but today I think we would. And and so I'm uh, I'm in your corner. I'm so proud of you. I'm I'm very excited about your church. I, I'm looking forward to the people that you know. We hear about that they went to Jesus over the next twenty and thirty years because of the changes that we that you've made. And uh, man, I just I'm, I thank you for taking the time to be on the podcast today and share. Uh, I wanted pastors to hear that you know, it doesn't matter where you are, uh, whether it's you're doing good or you're you're stalled or you're you're in decline. If you'll if you'll if you'll take a step toward Jesus, uh, he'll take a step towards you. And so, Frank, thank you so much for the time for sharing with us today and for your friendship, man. I really appreciate you so much. And thank you for being on the podcast today.
1: Yep. And we, uh, maybe, maybe we're going to have to have you back for the next visit pretty soon for another vision day.
0: I can't (laughs) wait, my friend. It'll be so much fun. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to The 95 Podcast. We look forward to sharing another episode with you next week. In the meantime, visit our website at 95network.org. The website is loaded with great resources created for small and mid-sized church leaders. Until next time, have a great week.